0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another edition of Secondhand Sports. Um, we've got a great episode for you guys today. Grant Klein on the show, former St. Louis Saint defensive end, a uh, fellow defensive end, brother, and former ICCS Panther, on the show to talk about Brian Kelly. He is a lifelong Notre Dame fan, knows Brian Kelly very well. And so we had him on to um, just talk about, you know, the transition going from Notre Dame to LSU, what he brings to the table. We talk about some concerns that we have, you know, for the new hire coming from the North, hasn't played in the SC, hasn't coached or played in the SEC before. Um, we get into all that. So great, great conversation um, that I had with Grant so that's the first half of the show. Second half of the show will be me. Uh, Matthew couldn't make it due to scheduling conflict. So I'm. It's a another Berg's Word um, edition, but uh, kind of catching us up since the last episode. The college football playoff teams have been announced. LSU bowl game has been announced. Um, And a a few coaching moves. If you have had your finger on the pulse today, today is Tuesday, December seventh. Some big news in LSU college football in general. So, so without further ado, here he is, Grant Klein. Okay, we welcome on a very special guest, fellow defensive line brethren under the Kirkendall regime lifelong Notre Dame fan Grant Klein is on everyone to talk about the huge news in college football. Brian Kelly coming over to LSU. First of all, how's it going, Grant? How are are you doing?
1: It's going great, man. And uh, I love that you threw the uh, Coach Kirkendall line out there. Rest in peace to a great man. Oh, yeah. Um, Man, I am so fired up to be here today. Um, and I love what y'all are doing with the podcast and I'm so excited that y'all were interested in me and me have being a part of it.
0: Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on obviously. And, uh, also shout out Elijah Woods. I think he listens as well. Also under the Kirkendall regime. So, um, oh, gotta, yes, gotta shout out the the brothers. Um, yeah. So Brian Kelly coming over to LSU, obviously, um, a surprise for most of the LSU fans, um Lincoln Riley was the the big rumor if you listen to our episode earlier this week um the 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 idea was that Lincoln Riley was going to come to LSU from Oklahoma obviously tables turned he's going to USC and Scott Woodward pulls the huge trigger and goes and gets Brian Kelly from Notre Dame after a, a very long tenure there basically pulling the the franchise up from a very low place that it had been and coming over to LSU to hopefully win some football games. Um, while that was happening, Grant Klein reached out to our Twitter and asked to come and give his take, his unbiased take, um, on the man. And uh, so, yeah. So what's your take on Brian Kelly? You know, obviously lifelong Notre Dame fan. You've got some experiences that... You would like to share um what what's your take on this move and um yeah what's your take on brian kelly as a as a head coach
1: man i'm really intrigued by it uh to be honest with you, you know I, you know i've like as like you said i'd grown up fan and uh spent i probably watched 85 percent of his games um listened to many of his press conferences and uh I'm excited to see what happens. You know, I was uh, it definitely caught me by shock. Um, you know, I was you everyone heard so many rumors around, whether it be uh, Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin or a uh, good friend, uh, Billy Napier, uh-huh. as I call him. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think which I think that he was the man for the job. Personally, I felt LSU thought they were too good for Billy. Um, I think that LSU didn't, he didn't meet up to their standards. I don't even know if they gave the man an interview. even gave them a chance to to let Billy impress them, you know, and it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I think once Lincoln Riley decided to go to USC, I believe that LSU essentially maybe kind of panicked. Um, You're looking at a lot of the figures that are coming out for Brian Kelly. um, A lot of the, um, numbers that they're throwing around to him with the different incentives that he's going to make throughout this contract. And, um,
0: it's very similar.
1: they they brought the Brinks truck out for that man. Yeah. You know? oh yeah. And, um, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if it pans out. Um, I could very easily see him being around for 15 years. I could also see him being around for four years and LSU having to fork out a $55 million yeah. buyout. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so we'll see, and uh, I'm very, very excited to, as a college football fan in general. Um, there's no secret; I'm far from an OSU fan, but I also pride myself on being able to give a solid, unbiased opinion. And uh, I definitely think, uh, I definitely think there's going to be a lot of intrigue to come in Baton Rouge.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely big. Um, to to your point, I don't think they gave Napier a shot, and I kind of talked about it in couple episodes um, i guess it, it was a few weeks ago we had talked about how like guys like Luke Fickle um, the the Minnesota head coach and Billy Napier they're their program builders but for some reason it's hard which obviously Napier's going to Florida and one of LSU's biggest rivals might have been a boneheaded move for not even for not even giving him a shot and now you got to play him every year so Um, it's, it's interesting that they, it's tough for those smaller school guys to, to get shots at, at bigger schools and, you know, good for Florida is, is no program to snuff at, you know, they're obviously LSU's biggest rival now, it seems like, and, um, definitely happy for him. One thing about Brian Kelly that I've heard from the Notre Dame side was that it, it seemed like it was coming. Um, as far as either him retiring or him leaving, does that ring true? Just, just because he's made it to the playoffs so many times, seem it the sentiment that I've heard is that he was maxed out at Notre Dame. He, he got him to where he could, and that's all he could do. And so some people might have been expecting him to make a move. Does that? Do you think that rings true to the fan base, or what are your thoughts on that? Um,
1: I would say roughly. I feel like the fan base um, has been waiting for Brian Kelly to essentially take the next step. You know, we've been to multiple um, appearances in the college football playoff, um, a BCS appearance. <laughs> Y'all might make a play 2012 twelve twenty
0: thirteen. Y'all might make an appearance like <laughs> this year, which would be wild. You know,
1: legendary. Yeah. If, if things pan out the way that Notre Dame fans wanted to pan out, could be legendary. But then you have some Notre Dame fans that are completely okay with not with us not making the playoffs to not get embarrassed in the first round. Yeah. So it is what yeah. it is. But let's go back to, to some things that we were pointing about, about Kelly. Um, I think over the past, I would say, four to five years, there's been some rumors of him potentially going to the NFL um, with yeah. a couple openings from um, the Bears and the Lions and a few other of those Midwest teams. Yeah. Um, and I think that LSU fans were consistently aware I mean, excuse me, Notre Dame fans. Um, but I don't think that there was ever a second in any Notre Dame fan's mind where they thought that he may leave to go to another school, right? At all, one single bit. Um, I think when the headlines came across Twitter, everybody's jaw dropped. Yeah, oh yeah. Even LSU Notre fans. Notre Dame fans for. I'm sorry, go
0: ahead. Even LSU fans were like, "No way!" Brian Kelly, like he he yeah. he said in that interview a couple weeks ago, he was talking about how Mike Tomlin said it best. Unless there's some magical fairy with a 250 million dollar check, like just playing it cool, you know. So it was definitely right. a he wasn't even on our radar for sure,
1: hundred so. percent. And then, you know, I think um, with the history that's involved in the school and its football program and the endowment fund and the money that's involved. I feel like a lot of times Notre Dame fans think they're invincible. Um, you know, they think that, you know, we're that they're still the cream of the crop in college football and, you know, they may be, but, um, I definitely think they got one heck of a wake up call, uh, you know, and I think that it was at the end of the day, maybe a good thing for the university. Um, but, you know, I never really felt too, too much attachment to Kelly. I never really felt too much pride for the man. um, I always felt like if he were to go, at the time, if he were to go take an NFL job, the Irish would have been okay. We would have found the guy. And uh, I even think now that we found the guy, I think we found someone that's young and uh, someone that will be much more relatable to both the current players and the recruits. Um, But like I said, I never really felt too, too much attachment to Kelly. Um, He's never someone that – Someone that's kind of been the the figure of the the face of the program, much like Ed Ogeron was for a period of time um to where you see Ed Ogeron, you think else shoot football in that university. um he was never really that icon for me.
0: gotcha. Yeah. and it says something that and me and Matt were talking about this today, how. None of those coaches are going with him. And he's got Notre Dame has yeah. a really good head coach in Marcus Freeman now. If he's there's rumors he's the interim or the head coach. I don't I'm not sure what the official thing is, but right. if he's the head coach, I mean, LSU was trying to get him last year. That's going to be a good as far as like passing the baton. I think Marcus Freeman is going to have some success there for sure. And it says something that a lot of those coaches aren't even there's pretty much no solid rumors or talk at all of any coaches going with him to LSU, which same thing happened with Saban when he came to LSU the first time, but it's telling as far as the sentiment that he has with the fan base and with that team. And I think some of that has to do with how he left, obviously very abruptly didn't tell anybody about it. Um, So definitely uh, interesting. And, also, like you said, he's not really like like you wouldn't have been surprised if he left. It seems like as soon as it was announced that he was gone, most of the Notre Dame fans were like, "Good riddance," you know. Like we're we're moving on. It's you know. Oh yeah, you wasn't know, we, much we love lost.
1: Just, yeah, yeah, we you know like I bring it back to the whole invincibility of the Notre Dame program and how they feel about certain things, you know, I think they felt disrespected. And once he said he was out the door, we wanted to kick his ass out the door, Yeah, you know, and uh, I promise you that every single Notre Dame fan is praying for an opportunity to play LSU in a bowl game. And, um, and I think that's just part of it. And um, going back to your point on the assistants, um, I've only seen one assistant that he's bringing along, and that's uh, his—that's the offensive line coach. And oh, that's right. He has produced a lot of great offensive line talent. And, you know, who's to say that all that is specifically due to him? But I would like to point out one note, is that I feel like Brian Kelly um, is very much a CEO of a football program. I feel like he's a guy that has always made good hires. Um, The best recruiters for Notre Dame football haven't always been Brian Kelly. It's been many of the assistants that he's had on the staff. He's always made great hires. He's always had the funds to make great hires, and he'll continue to have the funds to make great (laughs) hires. I don't think that he's necessarily um, the – the best schematic guy. I don't think he's necessarily the best rah-rah guy in the the locker room, but when it comes to organizing a program, building a staff, knowing what it takes to win ball games outside of the field, the different things that, the intangibles around a program, the help that you need. um, I definitely think he he built the program to facilitate winning and he'll definitely have the opportunity to do it uh, at LSU. Um, now he's left a lot of great coaches behind a lot of great recruiters, but that doesn't mean that LSU is not going to give them him the opportunity to go out and get similar guys, you know, but yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, definitely as far as like when the experts were doing their analyses, um, recruitment was the biggest kind of, uh, critic critique that they had about him that he wasn't really – like, he would go get some guys just because he was successful but wasn't as enthusiastic about recruiting as, say, an Ed Ogeron, who is an expert recruiter. So, um, yeah, definitely going to be a a big change for LSU getting a a CEO-type head coach, whereas Ogeron was definitely – Hands on, not an X's and O's guy at all whatsoever. Love Coach O, but definitely not a you know X's and O's guy. So it's going to be different. Right. Um, having a a more straight laced kind of like you said CEO type coach for for LSU for sure. So
1: definitely, and um, you know when it comes to recruiting as a as a Notre Dame fan. Um, I followed recruiting fairly hard in the beginning, I would say in the first half of his tenure. Um, and then as, uh, as things went by, I kind of just focused on predominantly the current uh, the season, but I still kept up with recruiting on the side and I've kept up and real close with it this year, but it never really seemed like he won too too many recruiting battles in the south. Yeah. Um, there's a guy here, there that he would pluck from Texas. We'd get a guy every now and then from Florida or the Atlanta area. Um, there's always one or two kids from New Orleans every year, but some of the bigger recruits in the country um, we, we never brought in. And whether that's to blame for his ability to recruit or his the way he organized the staff, Um, the academic standards at Notre Dame which I think are going to be a major major game changer for him which I think is something that he's very much looking forward to which really hinders a Notre Dame program but it's also something that the university takes an immense amount of pride in and I have a lot of respect for Um, but at the same time we often saw ourselves losing recruiting battles to USC and Ohio State and um, depending with Brian Kelly and the assistance that he could potentially bring in, um, they're going to be able to recruit. And LSU's got the name. They're going to be able to get the guys that are from Louisiana and are LSU guys through and through that woke up pissing purple and gold. Yep. But who's to say that he's, I don't know if he's going to be able to consistently beat, say, AM, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, even Ole Miss for game changers, game changers in the SEC, game changers that you guys are going to want to have on your roster. And I don't know if he's going to live up necessarily to the expectations and recruit at an efficient efficient enough basis to keep LSU fans happy. Um, Going back and looking at some of his recruiting uh, rankings based off of rivals, Um, I want to say the first six years he was at Notre Dame, um, he never broke the top 10. Um, And that's for Notre Dame. And, you know, I can understand, you know, I can understand being somewhere, uh, you know, recruiting varies, but he never broke the top 10 in his first, I would say five to six years at Notre Dame. And um, we'll see how that plays out. It may take him a little while to establish himself, but uh, there may be some kinks to work out, and who knows if Tiger fans are going to be happy with uh, his ability to recruit the area.
0: Yeah, um, that's. It seems like the the like I said, the Notre Dame fan base was like, here, have him enjoy going eight and three every season, like kind of getting to a good spot, and then not winning the big games. He he right. hasn't done well against you know power five schools so and what's also interesting about not being able to recruit too is he it seemed like he was putting so many guys into the NFL and still you would think that's the biggest thing for a recruit to go to the NFL or get a degree from a prestigious very you know tough Notre Dame school it's tough to get a degree there it's tough to get in it's tough to meet their standards so any type of degree is a prestigious degree or go to the NFL. It's amazing that he hasn't been able to, to recruit well for something like that. So um, yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. And
1: he's been able to recruit well though. I would say in the second half of his tenure, he's done much, much better when it came to recruiting there. Yeah. Um, But you know, there's, there's different variables and, there we often found ourselves with lackluster performances. Um just going back for the Pat previous uh five to six years, this year to Toledo, we um just the game there's been a lot of performances where he hasn't necessarily brought his team ready to play each and every week. Um this year we lose I mean we win by I don't I wanna say three to five points against Toledo. I think even less than that. Um last year we barely uh, beat a hapless Louisville team. Um 18-19 we go 12 and 1, but we go back to back weeks playing Ball State and Vanderbilt and again win by less than a touchdown. And then in 16-17 we go Notre Dame goes 4 and 8. Right. Jack, tell me what tell me what's going to happen to Brian Kelly? At LSU, if this man goes four and eight in, the, I would say, like the first three years.
0: Yeah, that's going to be, well, I mean, we just fired our, you know, undefeated season. A big thing was like the the culture fit for Brian Kelly is, you know, not the same as Coach O. We just fired the best culture fit and the undefeated right. season guy, best recruiter in the, you know, the world apparently. Um, so yeah, yeah. If he puts up four and six seasons, the, we're going to be in trouble for sure. And, um, yeah. yeah, like you said, uh, Notre Dame, it was 32 29 against Toledo at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So barely, barely skirting by same thing with Virginia tech. Um, they played a, a few teams. Well, it kind of curb stomped everybody else, but except for Cincinnati, yeah. but, but yeah, no, f- for sure. LSU demands success, even from a guy that brought you the best season of college football ever. Two seasons later, he's done in the middle of the season. You know, so yeah. he's yeah. gonna
1: have to come ready to play. I mean, that's bottom line. These Notre Dame gets a lot of bad rap for not always having the toughest schedule, but they still have a pretty a pretty damn tough schedule. Um, I would say it's it does not compare anywhere near to. The SEC West, nothing does. But at the same time, you got to be ready to go no matter what. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you know, you look at it this year. An average LSU team goes in and gets a couple wins against teams that they shouldn't have. You know. And so uh, everybody in the SEC can play. Everybody's got athletes, and everybody can beat you every given weekend. Um. And he's going to have to have his squad ready to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no uh, Toledo games or Stanford or you know Purdue, which Purdue is actually they're kind of a dark horse. But but yeah, the SEC is everybody's good for sure. So um, right. yeah, definitely he's gonna have to to bring it. And it's amazing that they gave him ten years to do it. Like you said, I don't know why they. That's that's so much money, and it's going to end up being a fifty million dollar buyout if he doesn't do well immediately. So it amazes me that these coaches get these humongous deals like that, because um, it seems like there's so much dead money in college football now, too. Right. So, so uh, before we started recording, you uh, we're talking about some personal experiences with. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame care to yes. expound upon that? Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: I, um, I was this summer of 2012. I uh, was fortunate enough to go up for a little high school football camp. Um, they had, all, they had uh, everybody from uh, guys that did, barely knew how to put a helmet on to all the top prospects at this camp. It was just filled with um, a ridiculous amount of people. And, uh, we had an opportunity where they broke us off into groups and, uh, everyone got to go take a picture with coach Kelly, uh, shake his hand, meet the man, take a picture. And, uh, and he was, <clears throat> I'm in line. Was he that?
0: was, he was relatively new over there too, right? He had Yeah. Been there.
1: Relatively new, kind of making a mark. I would yeah. say he maybe had been there for roughly two or three years. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but, uh, he was, you know, he was making his mark and, uh, everybody was really excited to meet him. And it wasn't just a, um, it wasn't, I mean, everybody going into it, you got to, you felt like you had a chance to genuinely like, meet the man and chat with him briefly. And um, essentially I walk up there, I have a, um, a name tag that says Lake Charles, Louisiana on it. He looks at it, shakes my hand and says, ah, Louisiana, nothing like a good crawfish boil turns, takes the picture, pats me on the back and pushes me away <laughs> and uh, ready for the next guy. Um, and, you know, it is what it is, but it was a great experience. You know, as a young kid, I was super excited to meet the man. I mean, that's the coach of Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, a team that I grew up pulling for pulling my entire life. But um, I was ex- also expecting a little bit more of a quick personal conversation, you know, just something, just something that I could leave with and I guess I left with the whole crawfish boil uh, aspect of things, but uh, it really wasn't any personal experience looking back. And uh, I got to spend a lot of time with the uh, defensive line coach, Mike Elston, who was, uh, who I was expecting to go. Um, You know, he had followed Brian Kelly ever since his time at Cincinnati. And I really, uh, I really thought that he was going to go down to LSU. I thought that he was going to see an opportunity um, to work with the quality of athletes that LSU brings in year in year out. And, um, you know, I was incredibly surprised that he had stayed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but like I said, it's like Nick Saban, it was the same way. He, he tried to get some of his guys to come with him and nobody got on that plane. So very interesting, very complex, uh, situation for sure and i think i don't know i do you know who it was that got in front of the team i guess it was yesterday and was like i'm not leaving i think it was the yeah. offensive coordinator maybe or
1: yeah tommy reese uh yeah. affectionately known as my family as touchdown tommy yeah um we got to see the good the bad and the ugly of both brian kelly and tommy reese during tommy's time there um He was a quarterback that, you know, Brian really was so incredibly hard on. Um, you know, you, you see pictures every now and then of Brian Kelly just fuming and just face red. (laughs) uh, Yeah. 90% of those pictures were because of Tommy Reese. Um, and now Tommy Reese is up for one of the, uh, for the assistant coach of the year. And, um, it's been really neat to see how he progressed, how he transformed Ian Booker towards the end of Ian's career. And, uh, and how the players really, really banged at the door for him to stay. Um, we saw all over social media um, players starting to hashtag pay Tommy Reese. Um, and uh, that was neat to see because you could you could really see how much pride the players had in them and um, how much how much they wanted him back. And uh, you know, they're really it doesn't they didn't really say much about Brian Kelly, you know, at He was, uh, but it also, the way that he spoke, you could tell that he was motivated to stay by the fact that Kelly, not only his love for Notre Dame, but the fact that Kelly had left. Yeah. I feel like that he had something to prove, that staff has something to prove, that Notre Dame is a place that you can stay at. Yeah. And um, whether your listeners feel that way or not, um, there's – I feel like that it's a rare occasion for a coach to want to leave Notre Dame. And um, like I like we had spoke earlier, I most of the time I was expecting him to go to the NFL. Never did any Notre Dame fit and expect for him to leave and go to another program uh, without being fired. You
0: know, right.
1: But um, I think that the, that keeping Tommy Reese, um, maybe not super, super vital. I think uh, that he still has a long way to go when it comes to play calling and decision-making, but um, he definitely would have been an asset to LSU. But I think that the Notre Dame faithful is very happy to keep him. Um, and I spoke also about how Brian Kelly handled um, Reese when he was a player and a quarterback in Notre Dame. Um, we've seen a lot of lot way too many mishandled quarterback competitions at Notre Dame. Um there's been far too many times where Notre Dame has gone, you know, six or seven, even eight games in the season playing with a playing a two quarterback system, sometimes a three quarterback system, and uh cool. that's not going to fly in this yeah, what? At all. Not even close. Yeah. And um He came from Cincinnati to Notre Dame as an offensive mind, brought the spread offense to Notre Dame, and tweaked it here and there as offensive coordinators came and went. And um, it just never really felt like he had a great grasp of the quarterback position like many Notre Dame fans would have wanted him to. just his decision-making on a starting quarterback has been so back and forth. So if he, he's never really, I've, we've never really felt like he's had enough trust in a starting quarterback. Um, except Ian book. Uh, I think Ian book is the true outlier there um, throughout the duration of his career, but we've seen many, many mishandled quarterback competitions.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because that is a, uh... That rings true to LSU historically as well. I mean, even yeah. this season we've had like three different quarterbacks and um, the the outlier is Joe Burrow, which was the same kind of yep. time, you know. So, yeah, it, all the other quarterbacks, it was just, you know, a crapshoot some of the time. So, um, right. yeah, definitely something to to be paying attention to as we move mm-hmm. forward with recruiting and all that stuff. So it's interesting, yes. like you said, those assistants that are staying, um, it's to me it feels like they almost have a chip on their shoulder like, okay, he's leaving because he thinks he can't win a national championship. We've got a shot at a national championship this year, obviously with Georgia. Georgia's freaking incredible. But it's like they have a shot. It would be something if they end up making a run – when their head coach just left because you know the the story is he thinks he can't win here so that would be something for Notre Dame to pull off that would be that would be something special for sure
1: it would be credible it would be incredible and um to be honest with you I don't uh, I don't see them getting too too far I don't think that they they may have the talent um with the first string guys but with the overall depth I don't think that they will be able to compete in the playoff this year if they were to get there and that's really been our issue over the past couple of years you know our first string guys are good enough to compete um but when they get tired or when they get hurt and have to go to the sidelines um, our depth hasn't always been there in the past um so I think that's one area that may hinder Notre Dame Um, if they were to get in the playoff. And uh, I think that's something that they're going to have to address in the future, you know. And I think they're getting there. Um, We're starting to consistently see better recruiting classes at Notre Dame this year, I believe. Um, There's obviously a couple different sites out there, but the latest I've seen is that the Irish are ranked at number three um, with some talented prospects coming in and guys that they feel very, very excited about. And uh, you saw a lot of these guys blowing up on social media how they wanted to keep Tommy Reese, how they wanted Marcus Freeman there. All these guys posting pictures with Marcus Freeman, pay Marcus Freeman, pay Tommy Reese. It was, uh, it was so incredible to see all these guys rally behind the guys that were left there. And then when you see how a guy like Tommy Reese reacts with the motive, with the intensity that he spoke with, um, it's, uh, it's really exciting to see from our end. Um, and we're excited for things to come and I'm excited to see how Brian transitions, uh, like we spoke about with this new staff, how he compiles it together and, um, what he truly values, you know, and, um, when it comes to building that staff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, interesting, a a tumultuous, tumultuous time in college football for sure. Lots of, uh, you know, consistent, like Lincoln Riley has been at Oklahoma forever Brian Kelly's been at Notre Dame forever so lots of uh tectonic plates shifting in college football it seems like so um yeah yeah Yeah. that's uh that's awesome great uh you know last word there positive outlook for Notre Dame even though because that seems like what the sentiment is to be the the outlook is like okay we it was great that we had him but it's time to move on. If he's moving on, then we're yeah. moving on and we can do it without him. So, yeah.
1: Right. You know, we have a great, it's, uh, the young coaching staff that's expected to take over. Um, you know, Notre Dame really needs that young en- energy. Uh, for the longest time, it's been your grandpa's school Yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and your dad's school. And that. I mean, it's my dad's school. That's who he grew up watching. And, uh, that's why I grew up a fan as well. But, uh, You know, the young coaching staff, I think, is really going to invigorate that program and uh, take them to a good future. And there's going to be some inexperience there. Um, There's going to be a little bit of newness, and as there will for anybody taking over a new job. You know, there's going to be some hiccups, some newness for Brian Kelly, Um, you know. Who's to say the man's going to be super, super excited to go pull up in the sugarcane fields in New Iberia to go watch a football game? Yeah. You know, sitting in the mosquitoes and in the early September heat to watch a cornerback, you know? Um, But uh, I'm really excited to see. And, you know, the main takeaway from the 2021 season is I genuinely feel that the coaching carousel has been more entertaining than the season as yeah. far as the games go. Oh you know, yeah. It's essentially become a reality show. You know, uh, what's Ed O going to do? <laughs> um, what kind of woman is he going to walk out of the press conference with, Dude. you know, who's going to hire who, who's going where and who's going to pull a fast one on their own school. You
0: know? Yeah. 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 It's been incredible. And it's not even, it's like, we're just getting started too, because there's a lot of like as those positions open up. Oklahoma still doesn't have a coach yet. Like, yep. there's a lot still to be filled. So, um, yeah, definitely interesting. Um, any any el- anything else you want to add at the end? And I'll do an outro. Uh,
1: that's really it, man. Uh, I'm gonna scroll through a small bit of notes that I had here. Um, we kind of spoke about the culture fit. Um, you know, the CEO versus the rah-rah guy, um, for the past two hires, LSU has had a guy that can necessarily be the face of the program, um, you know, and draw attention and, uh, to himself and be polarizing and who's this, and Brian Kelly is not that guy. He is bread and butter, tell you what you need to hear in a press conference and go to the next question, um. And that's really it. And, um, I tried to keep it as unbiased as possible, you know, because, uh, like I said, I've been around the culture of LSU for a long, long time and I know what you guys expect and it's nothing less than perfect every year. Um, and you gotta, you gotta come to play and you have to, you know, you have to, um, in SEC West and uh, I'm really excited for how things are going to go for them. And, uh, I'm really intrigued to see how things will pan out. If the money was worth it, um, if the reach was worth it, you know, did they get desperate? Were there other people that they could have looked at? And uh, I'm really excited for the Brian Kelly era to begin. Yep,
0: yep, yep. That's uh, yeah. Like you said, we've had two cartoon characters for the past two head coaches. So this is a a, a new turn, a new chapter and looking forward to see what happens so yeah yep. all right grant i appreciate you coming on man and sharing your insight i didn't i knew you were a ul fan i didn't realize you were a lifelong Notre dame fan too that's great perspective for sure um on the 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 man so i appreciate you coming yep, on yep.
1: No doubt, man. Uh, I'm, uh, as we spoke of beforehand, uh, I'm admittedly a scumbag college football fan and <laughs> I've recently accepted that, you know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> a lifelong Notre Dame fan, but, uh, I for sure pull for the Vermilion and white as well on Saturdays, man, go Cajuns. We got yeah. the big Sunbelt conference championship game on Saturday. It's incredibly tough to beat a team twice in a season. Um, as a kid, I saw, uh, McNeese beat the crap out of Western Kentucky at home in Lake Charles in the regular season and McNeese played him in the national championship in Chattanooga and Western Kentucky beat the brakes off of mm-hmm. so So uh, it's very tough to beat a team twice. I'm excited for the Cajuns and uh, I'm excited for where things are going to go with the fighting Irish. I think that the young coaching staff is going to take them to new heights and I'm excited for Brian Kelly and everything coming his way and everybody involved at LSU to get to know Brian Kelly, get to see the way that he handles himself and the way that he'll navigate the SEC. And uh, I'm so incredibly thankful for you guys having me on the show. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. You know, uh, it's always great to talk college football, um, especially with guys that uh, I spent time with growing up and grinded on the D-line. and hell yeah. Um, I really appreciate the time, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. A- absolutely. And, um, yeah, maybe – probably, you know, come around next season, we'll probably have you on to see what – you know, maybe at the end of next season if we're uh, losing, you know, eight games, then we'll have to have you back on and ask you, what's R- Brian Kelly oh, really? doing, man? What in the world is going on? So, yeah. All righty. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks.
1: All right, man. Thanks
0: back to me um shout out Grant thanks for coming on the show once again if you're listening um great conversation and i'm sure um like like we said in the like i said in the interview um time will tell and we might have him on you know a year from now and uh be asking him why does Brian Kelly not work for LSU you know so um but yeah time will tell for that moving right along. Well, I'll stay in the, the Brian Kelly um, hemisphere for now. Um, today, it came out Tuesday, December 7th, that McNeese State University head coach Frank Wilson <laughs> has parted ways with ne- McNeese State University. And um, he's going, he's, he's resigned, he's going to coach for... LSU as the associate head coach. Um, the as far as the position room has not been designated yet. Probably going to end up being the running backs coach because, or in the running backs room um, because he's had so much success in the past. And um, ever since that announcement today, the the applause from former players. Leonard Fournette chimed in on Twitter. Lots of um, old players that are in the NFL now and um, played when he was around. Just praising Frank Wilson, um, so pretty exciting there. If you're an LSU fan, if you're a McNeese fan, then well, you know it. It might have you. We we almost saw it coming at McNeese because they haven't been doing too well. They haven't been uh, performing at a standard that McNeese wants right now. I think um, with all the expansion and they're they're rebuilding the big press box for the 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 water hole. At McNeese, and um, definitely trying to have success and spark some energy in the football program and athletics in general with uh, the Heath Schroyer, the new AD. I think some people kind of saw this coming for Frank Wilson, but he's going home. Um, and this is this is big not only for coaching but also for recruiting. Brian Kelly came out with a statement today when he was talking about. Frank Wilson, that nobody knows Louisiana recruiting better than Frank Wilson. So having him on your staff is going to be vital for a guy that isn't necessarily familiar with the South and definitely isn't familiar with all of the Louisiana high schools around here. Um, so that's huge, huge for LSU. Um, and it kind of answers, you know, some of the the questions and criticisms that I had in our my interview with Grant um, that it's going to be difficult for him to come in here and, and start getting used to the culture. Just to stay with McNeese briefly, um, Heath Schroyer came out. He, he had a, a big statement, but the highlight was that this football head coach job is a better job now than it has ever been. Our ceiling is through the roof. So, um, you know, that kind of is a representation of the attitude of McNeese Athletics right now, I think. You know, Um, it is a big job and kind of big shoes to fill. The whole community around here, around Lake Charles, definitely flocked to Frank Wilson when he got here. Um, And it seems like the players were 100% behind him as well. So that's definitely got some truth to it. You know, there's... It's a better football program and just seems to have so much more energy now. Even when I was a freshman in college, when we had the undefeated season, I still didn't feel that same kind of excitement around the program as I do when Frank Wilson was around, especially when he first got hired. Now, obviously, we've seen the result of that. But, um, yeah, I think think Heath Royer is right, and I think he's going to go and get him uh, a good guy. Obviously, now with the coaching carousel somewhat winding down, um it might be difficult for a McNeese State University to get a super duper um high rated head coach, but you know, there's definitely guys out there looking for jobs, including Joe Brady, so, you know. Um <laughs> uh going back to LSU, other coaching changes. Um, just a, a few guys that, uh, Brian Kelly is replacing. Tommy Moffat, long time strength and conditioning coach. And, and Matt and I will definitely talk about that when he gets back. But Tommy Moffat has been there for forever. And one of the first moves that Brian Kelly made was to, to let him go or fire him. Um, so it, it, it stinks, but that's just comes with the territory. When you have a regime change like this, that just happens. And strength and conditioning was a huge concern this past season with all of these guys injured. I know Moffitt's been doing it for forever. I mean, like 20 years he was here during Saban, you know, all three uh, national championship dynasties here. Um, so he's been around forever, and a lot of the players t- – you know, have been uh, speaking highly of him with the news of his departure, um, but that just kind of is how the business rolls, you know, um, and it, it it it's almost a part of a good symbol of uh, a culture change for LSU as well because you had a guy in Ed Ogeron that was you know definitely a good culture fit, but trying to keep you know some of the traditions of LSU football. Um, And if we want to win and not do what we did last year, changes have to be made. So I'm sure me and uh, Matt will get, you know, more into that. He knows all the stats and statistics about um, Tommy Moffat. Brian Kelly's uh, replacement has also been announced Um, for him. Xavier Gooden, um, the Missouri linebacker. Um, He's from Austin, Texas. And, uh, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He was with three different teams, Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions, and Tennessee Titans. So um, if you look on our Instagram and the also the third page, um, the third image of him when you look him up, Xavier Gooden, Z-A-V-I-A-R, Gooden, um, it looks like one of the most jacked human beings I've ever seen at the NFL combine. So, um, as far as strength and conditioning, I think we're going to be in good hands. So it says, um, he spent last year at USC and, um, he also was an intern under Brian Kelly in 2018. So, um, Brian Kelly knows him obviously. And, um, hopefully he's a successful hire. This one In my brief research, it doesn't look like he has a whole, you know, not a Tommy Moffat level of experience in strength and conditioning coaching. But like I said, um, he is a very jacked human being. So hopefully we have some success there. Also, um, moving along, special teams coach. um, We, well, let's see, not necessarily replacing but um, the the old special teams coach retired or resigned Greg McMahon um, so he retired after a long tenure with LSU and the Saints won the Super Bowl with the Saints and won a national championship with LSU so um, Zach von Rosenberg went on Twitter and said that um, without Greg, he might not have gotten a shot, and um, who knows if we would have won the national championship with without Zach Von Rosenberg. So um, definitely, shout out to him. You know, we wish him well in his retirement. But LSU is uh, slated to hire Brian Napoleon as the special teams coordinator. Um, this is the first coach that uh Brian Kelly is bringing over from Notre Dame. So, that was kind of to be expected um with the the regime change and with Marcus Freeman being named head coach officially at Notre Dame. Um I think a lot of people are going to be staying there. Um so it just seems like those players and those coaches love him. So, um yeah. sticking with LSU um We are in the Texas Bowl. So we do have a bowl game. Um, Kansas State will be coming to Texas. And we're playing in the NRG Stadium January 4th, I believe it is. Um, So this is the second time we've ever played them before. So uh, not a matchup you see very often, but that's kind of the bowl season in general. Um, Thank goodness it's not like the freaking Cheez-It Bowl or something like that. Although that would be funny if... We ended up with a mayo bowl or cheese it bowl, um, and it would have really been funny if we ended up at the bowl game in Shreveport. So some current news there. I believe also just, you know, sticking with LSU, I'll I'll touch on it briefly. Um, Joe Brady being fired from the Carolina Panthers. This one's kind of difficult for me, and a lot of people there. There's been a lot of uh, opinions going around on Twitter right now, talking about how you know Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, and Ed Ogeron owe Joe Burrow a ton of money, and um, talking about how Emsminger was the one that was actually calling the plays, and Joe Brady didn't have anything to do with that defense. But I think just in talking about that 2019 season, I think it was just such a, a sum of so many good things coming together to create that incredible season. Um, but it is interesting that after two years, really one and a half, these coordinator firings in the middle of the season, That's kind of weird, you know, that I thought Joe Brady was a great hire there, um, but kind of a bad situation when you're inheriting Sam Darnold, he goes down and Cam Newton ends up being his replacement Two very underperforming quarterbacks and they can't get it done. So they hire, they fire Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. To me, that says that Matt Rule probably is seeing things from Joe Brady that he doesn't like, that maybe he's not ready to be an offensive coordinator yet. Jumping from the passing game coordinator at LSU in a college setting when you also have a, a great defensive coordinator in Dave Veranda, And, I mean, the personnel on our team in 2019 – way outclasses the personnel that the Panthers have right now on offense. So when you're working with lesser players, it has to be difficult to call plays and have success. Um, So you would think that Matt Rule would take that into account. So maybe it's just something that Matt Rule is seeing that Joe Brady isn't ready to be an offensive coordinator. That's that's an interesting one. Um, now, already today, I mean, he. It, I think it came out that he got fired today, or maybe that was yesterday, and um, he's already slated to be the offensive coordinator at Miami. So, uh, with Mario Cristobal, um, that was also another uh, current event, the firing of Manny Diaz and the hiring of Mario Cristobal. Um, except for Cristobal got hired before Manny Diaz was fired. So very interesting. If you have your finger on the, the college football carousel pulse, a lot of people were talking about that one. Very interesting on uh, Miami side. But, you know, Joe Brady already getting uh, an opportunity in Miami. And I think, you know, the way Oregon performed this past year, Mario is a program builder, and he's the same kind of coach that, I had talked about Luke Fickle, um, Billy Napier, the, the Minnesota head coach, those guys build programs. Um, and so I think, you know, given the right amount of time and the right recruits, if they can recruit well, Florida has, uh, it's almost like Louisiana as far as like the, the talent level, it's just split between so many different colleges. Um, so it's kind of difficult to get guys there, but um, yeah, I think, you know, Joe Brady and Mario Cristobal might be able to turn it around there. We'll, we'll see, you know, it's definitely very early to tell (laughs) because that news came out today, but um, yeah, definitely uh, interesting though that Brady would get fired um, after having to deal with Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. (laughs) So just my thoughts on that. So um, to stick with, to to stay within this Florida thread, Billy Napier getting hired on at Florida. I'm not sure if we talked about it last week because I'm not sure if it happened yet. There's been so much news here lately that um, it's been. Hard to to keep up, but yeah, Billy Napier going to Florida, obviously a great hire for them. Um, program builder, like I said, um, and there is a lot of talent at Florida. There is even the team that they have right now. You know, they're they're a very talented team, so um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with that that Florida team right now. And like we had talked about, it's something that you look at the timing of things where Napier really isn't even given a shot at LSU ends up at the team that is LSU's most bitter rival right now in recent history. So the thought is, holy smokes, hopefully we didn't pass up on Billy Napier when he was right there in our backyard and knew um, Louisiana recruiting very well. Now, Obviously, once again, as we progress in this off season on december seventh Tuesday, December seventh uh we now know that Frank Wilson is coming over uh an exceptional recruiter in Louisiana, so you know that that's another kind of uh piece to the puzzle there that we were trying to figure out why would you not get Napier when he's right there and he knows how to recruit and build a program, Um, but Brian Kelly is a a proven winner, and also Napier doesn't have a super long history of being a head coach, so I think that's probably would have been a concern for Woodward, Um, and Brian Kelly has been a head coach for a very long time, so but congrats to Napier. Um, while I'm while I'm talking about it, I can uh, recap our business trip if you were paying attention to our social media. Uh, Matt and I went with Matt's girlfriend, Kelsey, to the Raging Cajun. The Sunbelt Conference Championship game um, between the Raging Cajuns and Appalachian State. Um, it was a great game. Very the points were close but the cajuns had them on the ropes pretty much the entire game um there wasn't much doubt during the vast majority of the game that louisiana or uh, usl was going to pull it out in the end um so but it was a great game um you know you definitely see what hard work napier has put in that program how it's paid off because these past two years they've been on the map, definitely in the radar on a national level. And they haven't been, I mean, obviously in, in recent history, they, they haven't really been relevant at all. So um great to see him finally able to win the Sunbelt conference like that, you know, riding off into the sunset at, at USL, And, um, yeah, so congrats to them. Also, congrats to Adam Ayub, a friend of ours um, from another St. Louis Saint. um, On the staff for Billy Napier there, he is now a champion as well. So, shout out to him if he's listening. You know, who knows? Um, Moving along to the college football playoff. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Georgia. And number four, Cincinnati. The first group of five team to make it into the college football playoff. Um, obviously, if you are watching on Saturday, when the world needed them most, Georgia vanished, losing to Alabama. I mean, definitely like Kirby Smart has to be snake bitten with this team. You know, Um, he's got to be so frustrated too because everyone was thinking, okay, this is the team that can finally beat Bama. It's going to come down to these two teams in the SEC championship. If Georgia wins, Bama's finally out of the college football playoff after years of dominance. Um, And maybe we see Notre Dame in the playoff. Maybe we see and OSU, although now uh, OSU lost to Baylor. so uh, But, you know, just to mix it up a little bit. Definitely this year, ha- having Michigan and Cincinnati in there, that's been a huge uh, a game changer as far as the landscape of college football this year. Uh, but, man, it would have been sweet if Kirby Smart would have been able to get it done against Alabama. But it's one of those things. And I've heard other guys, other podcasts talk about it recently. It's like Alabama has been there before. Nick Saban has been there before. It it almost, at that point, it almost doesn't matter which team is better. Alabama has gone into Georgia and annihilated them so many times that it's just, you know, it's second nature to them now. We're going to beat Georgia. So um, now, obviously... It's hard to beat a team twice. And we're going into this college football playoff where Cincinnati is going to have Bama in the first round and Cincinnati is going to get crushed. And then we have Michigan and Georgia. You know, Michigan might end up mixing it up and and beating Georgia there. But, you know, SEC teams tend to be better than um, other teams in uh, college football. But you look at this Georgia defense and... Um, they are still very good. Alabama and Georgia are still very good teams, even though Bama beat them. So, um, we might end up with that being said, my point is we might end up with a rematch here, um, for the college football championship. It would be awesome if we had an Alabama Michigan college football national championship, um, But very likely that it will end up being Georgia. Um, As far as my opinion on if the committee got it right. Because that's what everybody talks about when the selection comes out. Did the committee get it right? I mean, obviously the biggest kind of um, earth-shattering thing was Cincinnati being four. I think they deserve it. After these two years, I, I think if they didn't have last year to go off of as well, they have one loss in two years. So, I mean, that's spectacular. That's very, even for a, a, a team that's in a lesser league with a, a lower skill level, um, that's still extremely difficult to do. So for Cincinnati and Luke Fickle to pull this off two years in a row, um, I think they deserve it. I think they definitely deserve a spot Now it sucks because they have to go up against Alabama, Um, but this is the ultimate David and Goliath story. You know, this is what everybody, this is what is gonna get people interested in the college football playoff again. Um, Michigan being in there as well. Michigan finally beat Ohio State. Those, I think I saw something. It was the most watched college football game of all time. I'm not sure if that's actually correct but um, <laughs> a very a highly rated college football game. So Michigan being in there is definitely a game changer. Not having Ohio State in there, not having Oklahoma in there, this is what's going to get people watching. So I think having Cincinnati in there is, is definitely good, in Michigan as well. Um, it's just going to be – the thing, too, about these games that I've, I've heard, people are complaining like, yeah, Alabama and Cincinnati is going to be a blowout. First of all, Cincinnati might surprise Alabama. They have a very good defense. Their corner is like the top corner in the nation, superstar, superhuman, much better than Stingley. Um, Alabama might be surprised. And if LSU can almost beat them, Auburn almost beat them, went into what triple overtime. Texas A&M, who is not spectacular, actually did beat them. Arkansas played with them. Cincinnati might have a shot. Um, But it's just the ultimate, you know, Alabama is the Goliath. And to that point, a lot of these semifinal games are blowouts most of the time. You look at LSU season, we absolutely destroyed Oklahoma. So that just happens sometimes. (laughs) And um, you got to put the four best teams in there and a lot of the, a lot of the teams this year it, it was a it was a wild season just because so many good teams were losing. Alabama didn't look like the superpower that they were. Um so yeah, excited to have them in there in there though. I think the committee did the best that they can. Um and I think the playoff needs to be expanded because having just these 4 teams is dumb and they've uh At this point, these bowl games are almost just pointless. So, they need to expand the playoff at least to eight teams. One more thing, one last thing before I move on from college. Um, Magnesi's head coach job is open. And there is one national champ that is... Very familiar with the landscape of Louisiana recruiting. One of the best recruiters of all time. Got Joe Burrow to come to LSU, you know. Um, he doesn't have... He, he He's out of a job right now. And probably not concerned with the money because LSU is paying him a boatload of money over the next few years. Ed Ogeron, going back to his roots at McNeese State University, would be a sight to see... Um, It stinks that Cody's graduating. I think if Cody O'Geron was still the quarterback at McNeese State University, you would definitely see Cocho there. Um, but now it might be difficult uh, just to, just that level of, you know, he, he's probably not going to stoop down to the McNeese level, but it would be hilarious if Cocho ends up in Lake Charles, Louisiana after. All of that. Um, but, you know, that old Cajun boy, he might end up just being in La Rose for the rest of his life. So who knows? It would be funny, though. Seeing a lot of a rumbling on Twitter about it. And um, it's one of those things like Notre Dame getting into the college football playoff would have been hilarious. Unlikely, but definitely hilarious. So, <whistles> Moving on to the NFL, or really just the Saints, rather. Um, once again, I just had a kid, and um not sure if I have enough time to cover the entire landscape of the NFL right now. Patriots are freaking good again. That's so annoying that they're already back to being um, the number one team in the AFC. Um, and the Cardinals are kicking butt um, at the, the top of the... The NFC. So, you know, um, just kind of how the the cookie crumbles. It's fun to see Arizona be successful um, just because it's they're a, such a fun team to watch. And they have so many different players from different teams all stacked up on there. So, fun to watch. But you know what team is not fun to watch? The New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are on the struggle bus like they haven't been since Aaron Brooks. I mean, it is just unbelievable how far. And it really, you know, we've done, the fact that we've even won five games this year is unbelievable when you look at the amount of injuries we've had. I mean, going all the way down, I think, honestly, I think they're looking at starting Ian Book because last week, Taysom Hill, man, it's just so hard to watch. And he is such an incredible athlete, so there's always that run threat. And he was making plays, you know. He had some good throws. Another thing, too, about this offense is none of our wide receivers can catch at all whatsoever. So it's like when Taysom makes good throws, he's he's hitting them in the hands and they can't come down with it, or, or there's just, you know, a half-step out of rhythm, it's just so hard to watch. And so you're looking, okay, we had Trevor Simeon. Taysom Hill isn't working. We're going down to Ian Book, which, you know, it's interesting that Brian Kelly and Ian Book are now um, active in the same state. But, you know, um, going all the way down to Ian Book, I don't know. It's just so hard to watch the Saints right now. And the defense is okay at times but when you have no hope at all like even if you get off the field you have zero confidence in the offense so that's got to be wearing down and and we're just riddled with injuries too on both sides of the ball it's just hard to watch um I think Sean Payton's gonna get it right obviously I don't think this is a, a a completely torpedoed ship that is sinking We've just got a a few holes that we're going to have to plug and, you know, get the duct tape out and repair for now. Um, This is, it's funny. We talk about how the Saints never really have good draft picks. I know Robbie and I have talked about it before. It's like we're always just not last, but just kind of, you know, towards the end of the draft. This year we might, you know, end up playing for a draft pick and getting someone really good. We might end up getting a, a rookie quarterback that, you know, comes to to shock the world, hopefully. The thing too is like if Jameis was still healthy, I think we would win probably, you know, a few we probably have three more wins maybe. But him going down and being hurt. ACL it's kind of like he's gonna come back, but who knows if he's gonna be consistent. It's just so hard, uh hard to watch, man. <laughs> that's that's all there is to say about it. And that's why I have haven't been eager to talk about the Saints here lately. Um but yeah. Hard hard to watch the New Orleans Saints. Which is weird. In my lifetime, we've had Drew Brees pretty much ever since I started being aware of what football even was, and we just saw the Saints be good, except for those few years where our defense was terrible. Um, We expected consistency out of the Saints, and now there is zero expectation for them. So (laughs) that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Thank goodness I'm done talking about the Saints. One last thing uh, that just happened as I was cleaning up this episode, uh, Max Johnson going to the transfer portal out of nowhere. I mean, I say out of nowhere. He had a poor performance this year. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's tough. He had a, a, a tough team to play with. Um, just so many things going wrong with this season at LSU. Um, it is interesting that he's not staying, though, you know, I, I wonder he's seeing what Brian Kelly is doing already and um, isn't happy with it, I guess, or maybe he thinks he's got a better shot elsewhere. Um, very interesting, though. I, I I know we have that the freshman quarterback that wants to come to LSU that's that's following Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU, um, but. I guess the next man up is going to be the Nuss bus. So that's, you know, something to look forward to. Max, you feel sorry for him. I feel terrible for Miles Brennan more than anybody. He was slated to be the guy up, you know, the guy that comes in, takes over after Joe Burrow. He's been waiting for his shot for, like, it seems like 10 years now. I mean, he's been at LSU for so long, and he gets hurt, freak accident. Stuff happens, you know. He's in the transfer portal now. You know, maybe he'll come back to LSU. Who knows? But it stinks that, uh, yeah, Miles Brennan didn't get a shot, a true chance to play with a good NFL, a good LSU offense. And so uh, I guess Max Johnson um, thinks he's got a better shot elsewhere. Um, So definitely interesting that just came up as i was kind of cleaning up this episode so once again i'm sure matt's got some commentary um all these guys that are going to the transfer portal you have to think of it as like it's it's a business now for them to if they think they have a better shot at going to the league or if they think they have a better shot at getting more nil deals you know it's a business for them too, just like it's been a business for the coaches that go everywhere. These athletic directors, it's been a business for the coaches and all the administration for decades. It's now becoming a business for the players too. And I think that's a good thing. Everybody's equal. If a coach can recruit a player, tell them that he's going to give them the world, at Oklahoma or Notre Dame and then just jet on him the next year, I think that players should be allowed to transfer if they think they have opportunities elsewhere. And that's, you know, that's just everywhere else in life that's the case. So it shouldn't be any different in the billion-dollar industry (laughs) that is college football. So that's my thoughts on that. Good luck to Max. <sighs> Thank you for your service while you were here. It's such, it's so tough because he really, I, I think he, there was a good quarterback in there and we had a terrible, horrendous offensive coordinator and just a, a not a sound direction this season. Um, so, yeah, good luck to him. And hopefully Brian Kelly can figure out our quarterback situation. Maybe it's the NUS Bus. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. We're, we're very early um, as far as seeing the Tigers take the field in 2022, it's going to be a while. So, <laughs> except for the, the, the Texas bowl, but you know, it, I guess we'll see the Nuss at the Texas bowl. That'll be fun to watch. So, but uh, yeah, just a little bit of news there. And that is our show. Everyone. Thank you all. Once again for tuning in. Um, thanks again to Grant for coming out and um, doing the the interview, shedding some light on Brian Kelly, filling us in on his experience and um, kind of some of the concerns, the, the positives, the pros and cons of having him as our new head coach. Um, once again, very unedited episodes compared to normal because I just had a child and I don't have time to edit these. So this is the uh, raw and uncut version of secondhand sports that you're getting now. And um, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's something that the fans wanted to, to hear all the, the uh, background noises and the dead space and all that good stuff. But uh, we seriously, we appreciate each and every single one of you guys We hope you are all doing well. We wish you a happy holidays and thank you all for listening. We'll see y'all next time.